Hey, this is Sam Miller, and today we'll be mapping metabolism on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. That's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in clinical care. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all the things we do matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with Sam Miller. After a life-changing traumatic brain injury, Sam has spent the last 14 years separating the truth from the garbage and sharing his quest for health, fitness, and nutrition knowledge with the world. Sam built his reputation as an online coach, educator, and mentor dedicated to providing simple yet strategic ways to amplify your results either as a coach or in your own transformation. In addition to his practical coaching and mentorship experience, Sam has been featured as a contributor, content creator, or guest for brands like Barbell Shrugged, T Nation, Elite FTS, Next Level Human, and the Primal Health Coach Institute. Sam, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You talk about the myths and misconceptions of metabolism. Can you share your definition or explanation of metabolism? Sure. So I like to think of metabolism as more of a thermostat or kind of a gauge in that it's constantly monitoring environmental influences. So that could be anything from energy availability in our environment to the energy that's stored on our body in the form of fat tissue or muscle glycogen, and then also things like stress. So it's constantly perceiving different forms of stress, both internal and external to the body. So that could be inflammatory balance, that could be, you know, GI distress, right. uh, really anything of that nature. And so the body is really constantly trying to regulate and adapt to basically its surrounding environment as a way to survive. And so metabolism is really a pulse of health in that way, um, in that it's representative of so many internal and in external environmental factors that really drive how we you know, behave and live our day-to-day -day lives, as well as how we respond to food um, and just you know, nutrition as a whole. It's so crazy when we really get into the biochemistry of metabolism, we can talk about a number of factors in the anabolic and catabolic arena, but you do such a good job of breaking that down for the layperson, the person we're ultimately hoping to help and not really have to talk about the Krebs cycle. Can you talk a little bit about your drains and charges approach? Sure. So I use drains and charges a little bit more for looking at the nervous system and how our body is responding. Mm -hmm. So obviously we have 
our parasympathetic states, which are more uh, referred to as rest and digest. And then we have our sympathetic state, which is more of that alertness response. So drive when we need to be aware during an activity or perhaps we're exercising or there's you know, something stressful that happens in our day-to-day -day life. And so we'll sort of, our body will prime a response that basically leads to a cascade of reactions in the body. So I like to use drains and charges to encourage clients to have a very clear cut way to sort of built in self-awareness and reflection around, you know, really purposeful relaxation or sleep, any other way that they can incorporate recovery into their routine. That could be nutrition, obviously, as well, um, monitoring, you know, overall daily stress, stress management, and having those practices built in. If you were to have most clients take like a tea table, for example, most of their um, inputs would fall on what I would consider to be a drain side of the equation. But everybody has a smartphone these days. Most people know how to charge their smartphone. So I encourage clients to use the same exact behavior when it comes to, you know, their overall lifestyle and the practices that they employ uh, on a regular basis to move closer towards their goals. And so thinking of things as a charge, that could be uh, nutrition, like eating adequate micronutrients. It could be hydration, you know, making sure your water is where it needs to be, getting restful sleep. And what's interesting is you can customize drains and charges depending on someone's goals. So if someone is obese or overweight, they likely need to be in a calorie deficit or achieve, you know, improved energy balance and food quality. And for them, that would actually be a charge where someone who's maybe undernourished or not eating quite enough and perhaps exercising all the time, that person might actually, it would be the opposite where taking away food from that person from an energy perspective would actually be a drain further on their system because they're already compromised in terms of their recovery. So you can really tailor it. I find that the universal charges for everyone really are sleep and stress management or some form of, you know, mindfulness, whatever kind of your flavor is when it comes to your coaching or your overall client's transformation. But using that drains and charges can be a really uh, helpful and fun way to get that information on paper uh, and make it a little bit more practical for daily life. There's a couple of things I love that you're talking into. One is what we call the skills part of the matrix, the right side of the matrix, where all of those things are basically, quote unquote, nutrition, right? We need all those things for our metabolism to function properly. And I think people forget this and think it comes down to dieting. And you make such a good distinction between dieting and nutrition. And the other thing I really want to underscore that you're talking about, Sam, is the importance of bioindividuality, that what might be a charge for one person could be a drain for another. And when we're able to see why we need to think through that lens, really understand Understanding how somebody's physiological function is requiring certain drains or charges, that's when we really start to have success as clinicians. When we think about macronutrients, I often think about metabolism through the lens of how we metabolize or digest and absorb macronutrients. Is there a way that you're working with those macronutrients through the lens of metabolism for each and every client? So I consider macronutrients to fall into, basically, I have seven pillars or 10 toggles of transformation. And so those typically fall under our practices. So similar to the functional nutrition matrix, where you have things like sleep, exercise, nutrition, stress, macronutrients are really just one variable that we're kind of looking at 
Um, obviously, we can use you know manipulations with our macronutrition in terms of our protein intake, for example. Um, if someone is especially active or does some form of strength training, they're going to need a certain you know proportion of macronutrients compared to maybe a less active individual. So I do sort of steer the macronutrition or steer nutrition towards an individual client goal, whereas something like if you were to adjust protein, for example, that, you know, we could use that as an activity example, or carbohydrate can oftentimes be very activity dependent as well. Um, so using macronutrients as one of your toggles, which would fall under strategic nutrition, which could include things like um, your, your macronutrition, your micronutrition, as well as your hydration. So it's really just sort of one um, lever that you have in the overall client interaction and in that process that you can use to move someone a little bit closer. Sometimes macronutrient change, changes aren't even needed. Maybe it's non-exercise activity or walking right. or improvements to sleep or self-awareness, stress management. So there's many different practices that we can incorporate. I feel like in the diet industry and in, in fitness and in health, you know, particular eating styles become especially popular yes. and people tend to be quite polarizing in their marketing when oftentimes you know, there's so many other facets beyond just macronutrition that go into metabolism and transformation, because if your stress is off, if your cortisol response um, is, is maybe unhealthy, or you have some form of GI inflammation, that person's response to the same amount of calories is going to be very different than a healthy individual with very little inflammation or very, you know, their inflammation is relatively moderate and no GI issues. So you can't tell me that that amount of calories given to a particular individual is going to be exactly the same as someone with a totally different uh, physiological status quo. And so I really like that you sort of outline that um, in your question as well. So think of macronutrients kind of as a toggle, we can move them up or down. Uh, and then obviously within those macronutrients, we can make sure we're selecting food choices that have adequate micronutrition that are in alignment with clients goals and metabolism. So even looking at things like thyroid health, we might need to optimize things like zinc and selenium to make sure that we're having these healthy conversions of hormones and metabolism can be a lot more than just the rate at which we digest food, uh, but more kind of uh, a representation of our physiological being and how we're operating and responding to energy in our environment in the form of food. Yeah, I think what you're speaking into is really highlighting the importance of understanding the whole of who we're talking to, because even if we are talking about the actual metabolism of a micronutrient on the outside, like how does protein metabolize? If somebody has issues with breaking down proteins, or they've been on a PPI, or somebody has their gallbladder removed, and we're thinking about fat metabolism, it's the theory versus the actual practice within the individual. And you kind of ticked us around the center, the soup of the matrix a bit there to talk about the things that impact metabolism. What other issues are you seeing as big myths that you would love to bust about our concepts of metabolism? Often that kind of sit in this realm of theory versus practice. I think there's a lot of, um, Sort of fixed thinking when it comes to metabolism. A lot of people think of it as just the rate at which I digest my food, or if I eat this many calories, that's how fast I burn them. When really metabolism has a very um, integral role in overall health and is basically inseparable from our endocrine system. I think a lot of people think of calories and hormones as separate buckets and people argue about them all the time. And I think that's one of the biggest areas myths or misconceptions or misunderstandings is really this whole calories in and calories out argument versus the hormones argument, when in fact, 
you know, your calories and your behavior and your relationship with food and the foods you're eating and the frequency that you're eating them is going to influence your hormonal status and your hormonal status, uh, different drivers like hunger um, and satiety that will influence, you know, in turn what you're doing from a caloric perspective in your day-to-day life in terms of what's sustainable for you. So I think one of the biggest things would be number one, the myth that, you know, metabolism is static when in fact right. it is not, it changes, it's, it's very malleable. Um, I think people miss out on the fact that metabolism can be improved. It can be changed. And so you hear so many people say my metabolism is damaged or my metabolism is stuck or uh, my metabolism is slow. It just won't, you know, lose weight for me. And really what's happening is that person has made changes in their lifestyle and to their habits that have resulted in potentially it is thyroid downregulation. Well, we know that there are transient changes that occur during caloric restriction to someone's, you know, thyroid hormone panel, for example. And so we can begin to use the different elements in the functional nutrition matrix, or I use my P3 model or the seven pillars. Um, And basically we know that to move these people closer to their physical goals, we have to be manipulating physiology and really physiology and metabolism go hand in hand. And I think so many times people try to separate them, whether it's for marketing reasons or potentially just oversimplification to try to make things easier for people. But I do think that sometimes leads to some gaps in the information, the quality of the information that's there, and then the quality of application of that information in client cases. Yeah, you said that so beautifully. I mean, I think there's an oversimplification and it's where a lot of clinicians then have missteps in the application. If we look at the left side of the matrix, which I call the story, and you're actually speaking into that really beautifully and have mentioned a number of things, but what are the major triggers that someone would experience in their lifetime that are going to contribute to challenges with metabolism? So trauma, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up or even um, as an adult can certainly play into autoimmunity and many of the conditions that we are now so fascinated by and consider some of them to be sort of enigmas, um, triggering events are especially common in something like Hashimoto's, uh, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. So looking at those events, but I think also we can view these as sort of, you know, with a triggering event or something that occurs in our life, that influences our perception. And I use that in my P3 model, basically our practices, which are the things sort of on the right side of the functional nutrition matrix and perceptions, which are on the left side, really combine to influence our physiology. So Mm -hmm. take something like sleep and relaxation, for example, or, you know, and then on the other side, you know, with perceptions, a triggering event, a triggering event may influence our relationship with food, or maybe because of a way that a parent interacted with us around our nutrition or exercise and those behaviors is ultimately influencing how we live our day-to-day life as adults. And metabolically, um, usually this shows up in our dimensions of metabolism. So I like to call it kind of like your metabolic identity or fingerprint, if you will. It's kind of characterized by the depth, duration, and frequency of past diets. And so Um, many female clients, for example, uh, perhaps they always saw that their mom was dieting or unhappy with her body image. And so that could be a triggering event that seeing that over and over throughout childhood has influenced the perception of the relationship with food and the relationship with exercise, which then shows up in terms of your practices, like your exercise and your movement, potentially over-exercising, maybe not sleeping enough, burning the candle at both ends. And that's where it shows up Uh, in terms of our physical transformation and our physical being. And uh, oftentimes people are trying to change that. They usually have some type of 
physical goal, whether it's performance related for sports, um, whether it is more aesthetics and body composition related, like improving your physique, or whether it is more longevity related, I would classify all of those as physical goals. And those are mostly, you know, all dictated by our physiology. And that's really where these two things kind of play in the most. So, you know, looking at the things like triggering events and antecedents that we talked about, um, and then on the other side of the functional nutrition matrix, thinking about things like exercise and movement, sleep, nutrition, and stress. Yeah, beautiful. I like to say that, you know, everything is connected. That's the center part of the matrix. We are all unique, the left side of the matrix, and all the things, all the things we do, all the steps we take, they matter. You mentioned the difference between a female and a male a little bit. What healing state somebody's in, whether they're training, whether they're post-surgery, what they're dealing with in terms of their internal stresses. But what else should we be thinking about that would, from sort of an antecedent perspective, change our lens on somebody's metabolism? So when I first begin sort of a client interaction or for any practitioners listening, like a uh, patient interaction, I'm always looking uh, basically at biofeedback and, as you mentioned, kind of bioindividuality earlier to determine what's going on from a metabolic perspective, as those are kind of your clues and cues in terms of what you need to do in taking action around different um, metabolic issues. I would say that with age, I think a lot of the decline or changes we see in metabolism are often associated with being less active, not doing weight-bearing exercise, especially eating less or less than adequate protein intake. So I do think we can hedge against some of the factors from aging if we are uh, supporting our metabolism through our lifestyle, through our nutrition and our choices. Um, so just in terms of, you know, regardless of age, regardless of gender, uh, you know, I did mention that female example simply because uh, autoimmunity like Hashimoto's, yep. for example, might be slightly more common yeah. in female clients. And for the practitioners listening, I'm sure that will sort of resonate with them. But the same thing can certainly happen for men. Uh, obviously, different uh, events can influence things like testosterone levels. Uh, even, you know, we have seen a rise in all sorts of prescription medications, including things even like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So yep. both from a mental and physical perspective, um, both, you know, that wasn't to say that only females are influenced um, in this matrix. Certainly, obviously, a lot of male yes. clients uh, or patients would, would struggle with uh, other elements related to metabolism. It's just sometimes they show up differently depending on that person's bioindividuality and then obviously their life experiences. So really, uh, as I mentioned, kind of that identity earlier, it's the idea that our cumulative choices and decisions over our lifetime, both things that we've uh, chosen for ourselves and what other people have maybe sort of placed on us or our life experiences can begin to shape, uh, like I said, that physiological status quo that we have right now. So for any future changes that are happening with metabolism, it has to begin with the present. Um, and taking inventory of those items in the functional nutrition matrix, or as I would say, kind of our practices and perceptions, and getting really clear on things like sleep and self-awareness and strength training, strategic nutrition, you know, getting plenty of sunlight, getting our steps outside, and we can begin to sort of shift uh, towards, you know, the metabolism that we want to have and the physical goals that we'd like to achieve. So beautifully said, Sam. Thank you so much for giving us a reframe on metabolism. And I really appreciate spending this time with you. Thank you. Happy to be here. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash 
blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And please feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Dot com.